the past couple of years have been for California a time of some very terrible wildfires, some of the worst, they say, that the state has ever experienced. And as we saw the, the pictures and, and the videos of what was going on, we probably were shocked, too, by what we saw. And, and hearing the reports that the fires were just growing by leaps and bounds and were almost unstoppable. Thousands of acres were burned. Hundreds of structures were lost. People lost their possessions. Lives were changed. And lives were lost. The fires were a terrible thing. And as we saw how they consumed all these acres and were just spread throughout our state, it was maybe wonder, we were maybe wondering, could they ever be stopped? What, what could stop them? What could prevent them? It was almost like you're talking about the fires of hell. But for you and me, we sat in our communities and probably were only bothered by the smoky air that we had for a few days. Those fires really didn't bother us. But there is a fire that does threaten us, the fires of hell. It was interesting that last night I got an email, one of these pastory, churchy email things, and it, and it talked about the necessity of the church preaching about hell. That that is something that, that churches are losing because people don't want to hear about it. And, and the younger people, the postmoderns, they say, uh, don't think that it's, it's logical that there is such a thing as hell. But that's what the scriptures teach. And the passage that we have before us today reminds us that we are threatened by it. You see, the Apostle Paul reminded us that our struggle is not against flesh and blood it's not against political parties. It's not against some other human ideology that's out there and threatening our way of life. But it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. He's talking about the devil and his kingdom. Now, all along, the, the church... God's people have been under the threat of the devil. Already from the very beginning of time, the devil was there interjecting lies into the truth to get human beings to doubt God, to distort his word, to distrust him, and then just disobey him. And that has continued on all through the Bible. You can read about that. And then even in church history, after the time the Bible was established. Satan still injected lies into the truth. Until finally, in the 1500s, God, in working through Martin Luther, brought the clear gospel message to light once again. But even beyond that point, more splits have happened. People again have wandered from the truth. So, now, let's make it personal. I'm not talking about history. I'm talking about today. Our faith is under attack. And there's a short little book in the Bible. One chapter, 25 verses. Second last book from the Bible. As if God were saying, here's what you need to pay attention to now after you've read the, the rest of the story. Written by Jude, who presumably was a brother of Jesus. 
urging us to contend for the faith. In other words, he was telling us, your faith is something worth fighting for. Let's listen to a few of the verses from that letter for us Christians today. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, to those who have been called, who are loved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ, mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write and to urge you to contend, that is to fight, for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. For certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. But dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus foretold. They said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. So be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others, show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Which is another way of saying, this is the truth. Now, when we saw the pictures and videos of all of those fires taking place, it wasn't just the destruction that we saw. We also saw scenes like this. People who were rescued. People who were evacuated, told to get out of harm's way. And as sad as it was that they had to leave their homes, which maybe were destroyed, they were saved. When first responders were sent into those areas, the first thing they were to do was to rescue people. Because life is more valuable than any possessions. Because we live in such an area where fires are frequent and easily happen, we are told to protect ourselves and to take precautions against those fires. Well, Jude is also reminding us how easily, through false teachings, 
corruption can come into the church and threaten our faith. And so his advice for us today first is protect your faith. Now during those fires, we saw people, you know, trying to protect their homes. Maybe they were clearing brush, they're hosing things down. Finally, they were putting their valuables into their car and getting out. They were doing that because they saw some very precious things to them. Well, Jude is reminding us that our faith is very precious. And just as those people were gathering certain things that meant a lot to them because there was a lot of memories connected with it, a lot of things that maybe reminded them about relationships with people, current or past. So Jude is also telling us that our faith is precious because it reminds us of the relationship that we have with God, an eternal relationship. With, with three key words, he shows us just how precious that relationship is. Let me, let me uh, show you those three words and explain them. I have them highlighted here in yellow. He says, to those who have been called. By that he was referring to how you and I came to have faith and a restored relationship with God. It's referred to as being called. Peter tells us that God called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. God brought us out of, out of a state of unbelief and sin and brought us to belief and assurance in the gospel. Now just for a second, imagine what it would be like if you didn't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, what would you be doing and thinking about what's going to happen after this life? Maybe you'd be thinking, you know what? There is only this life, so just grab as much fun as you can. But knowing that at some point this life is going to end, what are you thinking about that? What's going to happen next? Is there any help? Is there something that you must do? See the, the uncertainty and, and the fear that would go along with that? Now stop thinking about it because it's not true for you. God has called you by the gospel. He has brought you to know his love. Jude said, you who are loved in God the Father. And, and the form of that word in the original Greek, it could be translated, you who were, you who are, and who will be loved by God the Father. His love is eternal, it's continuous. Nothing is going to separate you from it. And it's not because you're so good. Because you're not. I'm not either. It's not because of what you have done. It's all because of what he has done for us in Jesus Christ. Jesus who came into this world and lived perfectly for all, under all of the laws of God for us. Jesus who paid the penalty for our sins with his death. And Jesus who rose from the dead to assure us that God now looks at us and says, you're justified, that is, you're innocent of your sins. You are loved by God forever. And then he says, you are kept for Jesus Christ. That word means you're preserved for Jesus Christ. 
in, in fall as we, we think of harvest and stuff like that. I always think back to my childhood and, and what we did in fall with having to pick fruit off trees and, and how my mother would spend hours and days in the kitchen preserving all of those things. You know, all the process of canning fruits and vegetables and all that. She did it because she wanted to take care of her family. She loved her family. Well, God does all sorts of things for us, too, to preserve us for him, for himself, because he loves us. He takes care of us. And in this way now, you see just how special our relationship is with God and why we need to protect it. It is given to us and protected to us through the reliability of the gospel. You know, today we hear a lot of messages about things, right? I'm surprised our, our minds don't explode from all the things that we hear, you know? Whether it's in social media, the news, whether it's from politicians or professors or whomever, right? We hear a lot of stuff. And they tend to twist or spin things the way they want us to hear about them and they want us to believe. And we know that it's, a lot of it's not reliable, and so we have to filter it, and we have to decide what we should listen to or not. But God made his message to us crystal clear in the scriptures. Jude refers to that when he says, I wanted to write to you about the salvation that we share. Now that word salvation, that's, you know, that's a good churchy word, right? It's a word you hear in, in church. But it's, it's a word that really meant rescue. That's a word we hear a lot about when you talk about fires or earthquakes or hurricanes. Rescued. He wanted, I, want to, I want to tell you, Jude says, about, about that rescue that we all share. You see, there's only one rescue. There's only one salvation. Don't believe the lie that's promoted today that, you know, all religions are equal. It's just they have different ways to get to the same place. No. He said, there's just one salvation. There's one faith that's been handed down, he said, once for all. That way of escape, that way of rescue is, for, is through Jesus Christ. He is the only way of salvation. That's what the scriptures teach and has made it very clear. But over time, the devil has attacked that. Thinking, getting us to think that there's something we have to do to add to or to make that happen. He is attacked by bringing in other, other teachings, other religions that appeal to people. But all of it's false. Imagine what it must have been like in Luther's day, 500 years ago, where the message was, you need to get right with God by what you do. You need to pay up and you need to work hard, and there's still going to be suffering after you die before you get to heaven. No joy, no comfort in that. But God revealed something else to Luther that was very powerful. You see, like in his day, so in our day, the truth of the scriptures are being assaulted by false teachers. Jude described the manner in which they work. He said, now there are some among you, and with that word some, he was kind of saying, you know, there's maybe just a few. And we might not think of it as a big deal. Well, if there's just a few, I mean, what can a few do? 
Think about those fires again. How they were started by just a little spark. Think about how those embers would be blown by the wind. And just those little embers, which could be so easily missed or ignored, would spread the fire more. And that's what Jude is saying, that even though it's maybe small in number, watch out for the danger that spread through them. Now he said they have, a, they have a way of coming in and kind of slipping in among you. They kind of come in and sit next to the pew with you. Now I don't mean that, that you should look around and have any <laughs> dishonest looks at anybody sitting next to you. But it was just like, you know, you, they feel like they're part of the group. And you accept them. But their message is far from the truth. Listen how he described their message. He said, they are ungodly people. They're immoral, in other words. They don't believe in the truth. They pervert the grace of our God into a license for immorality. What they're saying is, well, God is loving and God is forgiving. So it really doesn't matter how you live. You can live any way you want to. God doesn't condemn the way you want to live. He loves you. And so they take God's love, his grace, his unconditioned love, and they say, well, that's permission to live whatever way you want. They give you permission to sin. That's not what God says. And then they go on and they deny Jesus Christ as our only sovereign and Lord. You think about some of the religions that are uh, popular today. And look at what they teach about Jesus Christ. Not that he is true God. Some will just say he's a man, a great prophet. Some will say he's a man who worked himself up to the level of God. They will not say that he is the Savior, that through his life, death, and resurrection we're saved. No, that he just taught us about God, taught us how we should live, and showed us to set an example. They are denying Jesus Christ as the way to salvation. And so it's pretty clear that today the Christian faith is still under attack. Just look. What do they teach about salvation? What do they teach about Jesus Christ? And you will know if they are true or false. When we would watch on the news about all of those fires, we were always getting reminders about clearing brush away from your house if you live in one of those areas. And be careful when you're in an area where there's a lot of brush that you don't do something that could cause a spark and start a fire. In other words, recognize the risk around you and be careful. And that's what Jude is saying too. We are at risk. Be alert to the falsehood that is taught today. So how should we protect our faith? Some simple steps. First of all, remember what God has done for you in Jesus Christ. It's not about what you must do, but about what he has done. All his grace. Then know that Jesus is that way of escape. Note that he is how we escape from the fire of destruction. Only through what he has done. That's it. Know and trust that alone. Faith alone in Jesus. And then grow in that faith. 
Just as people are urged to make sure that their houses are clear of brush and we're kind of fire-wise, and likewise that we are kind of wise to our surroundings from any kind of crime or danger, grow in your faith. Know the truth and grow in that so that you are strong and safe. What a blessing it was that, that Luther rediscovered that truth and God used him to proclaim it to the world. But think about what it would be like if he didn't proclaim it. Think about what it would be like for you if Luther, having discovered it, just kept it to himself, thinking, ah, nobody's ever going to believe it, or somebody else will figure it out, or whatever it might be. Thank God that he was bold and took a stand, that he fought for the faith and passed that faith on, so that today you and I and thousands of others have it. After we have protected that faith, we are also urged to proclaim that faith. And Jude, at the end of his letter, gives us three ways that we are to do that. First, he says, Dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, In the last days there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the people who divide you who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the Spirit. He's telling us, first of all, that we need to proclaim the Word through what we preach and teach. And that includes two things. We need to warn against false teachings. Jude was doing it. John was doing it in his letters. Peter was doing it in his letters. Paul was doing it in his letters. Jesus did it in his teachings. I think we have a good example to follow. Warn against false teaching. But then also comfort. Comfort people with the truth. Give them what is the power for salvation, the gospel. The Apostle Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. When Luther read and studied that, he said that's like when the gates of paradise flung open for him. And so he took his pen and he wrote in his Bible after the word faith, the word alone. The just shall live by faith alone. And that's the comfort and that's the truth that we are to proclaim. In fact, in the mission statement of our church, the very first purpose is that we will know the grace of God in Jesus Christ. Now he goes on and he gives us a second thing that we are to do. He says, but you, dear friends, by building yourself up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others, show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. 
In other words, what he's telling us to do now is now practice your faith. First of all, grow in that faith. Grow in your knowledge and your understanding of God's grace so that you are firm in your faith, but also equipped to share it with others. And then he told us how we are to deal with others. Pray, pray in the Spirit that God will work in their hearts too. And then share the word. He said, snatch them from the fire. You know, we hear so many things around us today uh, that are warnings that tell us to be careful. Uh, you're driving on a street and there might be a light that flashes that says, you know, speed limit is changing, slow down. Or there'll be a, a sign that says you're going around a curve, speed's only supposed to be 45. You go into your house and you take something out from under the sink and there'll be a warning label on it. Be careful how you use this. So we get warnings all the time to protect us. Judah saying, give that warning to snatch people away from the fire of hell. With what you do, with what you say. When you see something, you know, say something. That's true spiritually too. Snatch people from that fire. And he says, treat them with mercy. But also with fear that is hating the corruption. Hating their sin, but loving them. To save them. And finally, he gives us this encouragement. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. What he's telling us to do is now praise your God. Let me go back one here. Praise your God. It's only God who saves. It's God who has given us that grace to protect us. And so it, we're moved then to praise him. And that's what we do. That's why we gather, to praise God. Luther once said, where the battle wages, the Christian is called to fight. We certainly wouldn't allow the wildfires to continue on and just see what happens. We stop them. Luther is reminding us wherever the battle is, we are called to fight. And you know where the battle is. It's all in the world around us. It's in that media we listen to. It's in our homes. It's in our schools. It's in our heart. We need to fight against it with the truth. That's why we are urged to preach and to practice that faith and to praise God for his grace because the life we have is very precious. So let's fight for our faith, always holding to the promise that Jesus gave us about it. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Amen.